Avoidance is a style of relating to other people, often driven by past trauma, that can make you feel overwhelmed and anxious even thinking about connecting with other people. And if you've ever dated an avoidant person, you know how painful it can be to feel like you can never pin them down for plans or get a commitment from them. And just when relationships start feeling like they're going somewhere, the avoidant person will disappear for days or weeks at a time and your heart just falls. Avoidance pull away from closeness, even when they want it. And ironically, what avoidant people are sometimes drawn to is people they can't have, people who may be avoidant in their own right. So there's a weird kind of safety for avoidance in a relationship that can't go anywhere. And my letter today is from a woman I'll call Amelie, and she writes, Hi Anna, I'm a 45-year-old woman from Southern Europe. I was diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder, a very crippling form of anxiety for those who don't know, about 15 years ago. All right, I've got my fairy pencil. So avoidant personality disorder, I don't diagnose it, but I know what it is. And it's a, it's a more, you know, it's a more concrete diagnosis of symptoms that sometimes show up just as avoidant tendencies. So whether you have tendencies or you're in a relationship with one, you're going to want to watch this video. So she was diagnosed 15 years ago and she says, although the first symptoms became apparent when I was a teenager, even as a child, I already felt different. She says, as an aside, my father was an avoidant as well, and my mother has extreme anxiety. Okay. Since my father was hardly present during my bringing up, my mother passed her neurosis, her abandonment and rejection issues onto me. To this day, I live with them. I have no partner, no children, and I've just recently got a temporary job after years and years of not working. And we've always had some codependency issues. I live alone in a different city for just five years. I believe that that may be the reason that the few and far between relationships, if they can be called that, I've had along the years have all been with emotionally unavailable men. The most recent began last year. After a long time, it felt absolutely wonderful, though overwhelming. I met him through a group on Facebook. He seemed to be interested in me, and when we finally met, there was a deep connection. However, I, I knew he had a girlfriend and a 10-year relationship, even though apparently they had been going through a crisis the last months. Mm-hmm, famous. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay, so the next thing I did was wait. I sent him a friend request on Facebook. I waited a little in case he sent it to me, which didn't happen. And for someone like me, that required quite a lot of courage. I was about to accept that since he was already attached, nothing would happen and maybe I had misinterpreted his signals, although I was sure I wasn't wrong, when he suddenly started flirting with me more actively. I thought, well, maybe he's broken up with his girlfriend, so I'll take my chances. I passed him my phone number and we started texting each other. He always said that I could go and visit him whenever I wanted, so I set a date. We met him at the same bar we'd met the first time, and then we went to his place and slept together. It was amazing, and he said he wanted to see me again soon. I was smitten, especially because he was very affectionate, and, had, and I had never experienced that with any other man in my life. I felt I didn't have to hold myself with him, so to speak. In the following weeks, I asked him at least three times uh, to meet again, but he always said he couldn't. 
So I stopped texting for a week and finally asked him if he had been sincere when he said that he liked me a lot and wanted us to meet again because I was getting really confused, confused. This is always the word that shows up in denial about something that's wrong, you know? I see it again and again in these half-love relationships. Okay. I was getting really confused by his attitude. And then he told me about his ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend? Apparently she was struggling with substance addiction and he was trying to help her get over it. Oh, a few red flags flying here. I won't go into details about the last time I saw him during that period, but he said he had to focus on her for a time being and he couldn't see me anymore. I was devastated, but I decided that I'd wait for him for a while. Okay, so monogamous with his ex isn't exactly an ex, but that's okay. He, he never presented himself as available, actually. All right. After 10 months of just hanging on hope, I still saw him on Facebook, and I had brief exchanges with him. I was reluctantly, though, about to move on, and he suddenly texted me and showed interest again. I wonder what he wanted. Hmm? We reconnected and started seeing each other. I usually went to his place. He lives in a different city. We watched movies, had sex, and I spent the night there. Oh, I'm, well, I'm going to say something about that. It's going to be hard to hear. Okay. This went on irregularly, and it stressed me out, and I never knew when to text, when to tell him I wanted to see him. I even asked him first if he wanted to see me again, and he always replied, of course, whenever you want. I was afraid of rejection. I didn't want to appear too clingy, but I always wanted to show interest by communicating more or less regularly with him. All right, so you're, put, you're trying to construct how to act. I struggle with communication, and that took a lot of effort on my part. As an avoidant, I can spend months without replying to my friend's texts when I'm at my worst, and I felt that the way he communicated with me was a bit erratic. He once told me he might have ADHD, though, so I wasn't sure. That's not why. Okay. I was upfront with him about my anxiety and my insecurities, and he was okay with it. After two months of seeing each other, I felt I needed to ask him if he was interested in pursuing a relationship or were we just seeing each other casually. So I gathered the courage to do it. And at first he was surprised because he thought it was already a given that this was casual. We'd never talked about it. So I guess he took it for granted. Yeah. He said he didn't want a partner. He didn't want to take care of anybody or be taken care of. I understand that he had just left a 10-year relationship and a complicated one at that, and he wasn't ready yet. So I asked if he didn't want a partner for the time being, or like ever, and he said never. And since he wanted to be a father, he was even considering having kids on his own. <laughs> that's, I thought he was maybe just not into you, but that's where I was like, oh, that's, that's an avoidant plan. Okay. I cried, he comforted me, and we talked a lot. And I asked him if he would go back to his ex-girlfriend, um, from whom, after all, he was apart due to circumstances more than anything else. He said probably not, but he wasn't really sure of anything, and her parents have asked him to go back to her. Oh, well. You know, I think there's a lot to the story there with him that he what, didn't tell you. Um, he looked genuinely upset because he realized we may not see each other again, and he said he really liked me, he considered me a friend, he liked being with me, and I said I needed to think about it, and I was exhausted because I invested so much in this, and I guess I needed rest. Yeah. 
A month has passed since the last time we saw each other. We sent each other a couple of messages the first week. And during this time, I've focused on looking for a job. And I found a job. He congratulated me for that, by the way. A temporary one. But struggling with um, avoidant personality disorder, that's a small victory. I didn't go on Facebook because I didn't want to be expecting to see any post or comment by him as I'd been doing for the last year. However, I missed him a lot, and I'm not sure I made the right decision, even if temporarily I believe it was necessary at least to lower my high levels of anxiety. Okay, we're going to talk about what is that anxiety in a minute. I realize I've put lots of expectations on this relationship and person, but above all, I've put high expectations on me. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I didn't want to be a disappointment, and according to him, I wasn't at all. I really wanted this to work out, and maybe that was my mistake. Why couldn't I be more carefree? Because hmm, you're you, because it's not true. Um, why not date him without expecting anything and focus on myself more? Yes, I, I bet he would have liked that. I bet that would have worked really beautifully for him. At your expense. Okay. Why did I anticipate so much and didn't respect my own needs? There's the question. My feelings, my tempos. Why not enjoy myself just out of healthy selfishness and cut all the drama? Who's selfishness? Okay. It's not drama. It's not drama. It's feelings. It is needs. You're not being dramatic. You tried really hard to hide who you are here and how you actually feel to make it, to make this breadcrumb relationship work. But it wasn't enough. It never. It can't be enough because you're a human being. You know, you're 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 a dear and precious human being, and of course, you need to be loved, not just used for sex. So he said, "That's what I'm worried about. I have a hard time knowing what I want, and I'm even scared. I think you're good at knowing what you want. You're just. It's hard for you to admit because it ruins the relationship for you." It makes it so it has to end, and that's hard to face, I know. I'm even scared of it, especially if it doesn't match the idea I have of myself in my head. For example, being okay with having a casual relationship with somebody, I have a hard time picturing myself in that situation. Me too! Lots of us. And if I've already been in it, even repeatedly, I don't know if that's because it's a genuine need of mine to be as much of a priority to someone as I make them for me. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is a priority. It is a need. I myself, I'm scared of being truly loved sometimes or because of some rigid mental construct I developed at some point in my life and can't get rid of. That is a point of view that some people have who are into casual sex and they will tell you that they will even criticize that you have this rigid mental construct of like monogamy. What is that? Because that's what they want, but that's not what you want. They can pursue what they want, but you get to pursue what you want. And what you want is important and real to actually be loved back. It's no joke. That's not too much to ask. It's not too much to ask, but it's a little harder to find. It's easy enough to find somebody who will have sex without any kind of relationship. All right, I'm going to say the thing I didn't say before. That thing where you got together with him and you would go to his apartment and you guys would watch TV, have sex, and then you'd leave. And But he really had some other girlfriend. And I was just going to say, that reminds me of DoorDash. And that's in no way to try to denigrate you, but that's how he was using you. You know, he just got sex delivered. I'm going to say something else. I don't normally do all the commenting in the middle of the letter, but let's just go for it here. Because this letter bothers me. You know, he's he was doing his own thing. He probably could have been clearer. I don't think he's being straightforward about the girlfriend. I think he clearly has entanglement with this ex-girlfriend, that his her parents' opinion of the whole thing even matters, and that he's helping her with her chemical dependency. So 
you know, that is something that people do sometimes, but it doesn't mean they, they can't date if it's truly an ex. So he has a primary relationship with her and she's not always around. It sounds like a difficult relationship. And he's just kind of like getting his needs met to have somebody to have sex with, you know, whenever he feels like making the phone call. So that's what I, I just do think that's what was going on there. And people can chime in on the comments. And so it's confusing because what we do is we convince ourselves that what other people want ought to be what we want rather than allowing ourselves to be clear. It's not what I want. And so we end up in a relationship and you know, that feeling of attraction and falling in love with somebody and sex and everything. It's so like exciting and overwhelming that it's very hard to stay in touch with what you know to be true, which is like, this isn't going to work for me because they don't give me anything back. You know, when somebody likes you, you don't always have to be at their apartment. They take you out. They call you. They don't leave you feeling anxious all the time, whether they're going to, going to get in touch. That might happen in the beginning when the relationship is getting figured out. But over a year, when you were asking yourself, why can't I be more lighthearted? It's like, cause this is terrible. This is like a form of trauma bonding when somebody is like, Oh, I'm really into you today. And now I ignore you. And week after week after week. And so, you know, it's instinctive for those of us deprived of love when we were little to just sort of go, fine, I'll adjust myself. I'll make my needs very tiny. You know, if you'll just call me later, I will pretend that nothing was weird about that. And I won't be a difficult girlfriend by feeling upset about it. I'm so proud of you for asking him about the relationship that takes so much courage, especially for an avoidant. But just because you have avoidant personality disorder doesn't mean you don't get to set standards for yourself. And I just want to at least give you this one rule of thumb. If you're interested in somebody and you know that they have a partner, do not date them. Don't Facebook them. It'd be one thing if it was somebody you're not interested in, you know, and it seriously is a friend and there's no like vibe there, any vibe at all. They have a girlfriend. Uh, you, you stay away. You stay away. You don't text. You don't even respond to their texts. You call them out. If they text you and flirt, you will find you're a young woman. You're going to find there are some men who are going to flirt with you, even though they have a girlfriend who they're not honest with about it. I, I do not get the impression he was honest with this other woman about you. Some of the people in our community will go, Oh, polyamory is great, you know, for them, but for people with attachment wounds, which I can hear you have by the way you dissociate from yourself and your own needs and what you want, your honest truth, because it wasn't his agenda. Sometimes we just want to make it work at all costs because having that little bit of love is feels like all we're ever going to have. And it is, I get it. It is so hard to shut the door when it, you know, that what's waiting on the other side is no love for a while. But the only way to get to where real love is available to you is to start being clear what it is that you want. And I hear everything that you say here is you want reciprocal love. You want someone who loves you and wants to hang out with you. That's fine. That's a good and wholesome thing to want. I encourage you embrace it, own it, claim it, put it out there. That's what you want. And then you, when you're clear about that, you, if you take my dating course, you, the first thing you do is write all this down. You write it down. So you can't like go in denial about it. If you start getting confused about somebody's behavior, just test out my hypothesis. It's denial. You're not confused. It's like you're in cognitive dissonance because it's hard to let in that the way you're treating, they're treating you is not like somebody who likes you. And so instead of facing that and being disappointed and having to end it, 
will get confused. So I, I see this over and over again. Being crappy childhood fairy, I have a unique perspective on the patterns that I never would have noticed in regular life before people sent me all these letters, but that's what I see. I'm confused. And it's this type of relationship that throws people into it. So, so that's why I'm here to go. I don't think it's confusing. He is not looking for a relationship. You're trying to fit yourself to that. You don't want to lose him. You're trying to see if you can like take everything that you want in life and throw it away and match what he wants. So at least you can, you know, get a phone call every few weeks for sex. And I just think if you do that, not only will the whole period of time you're engaged in that block you from meeting somebody appropriate, it'll keep you from growing into somebody who can meet somebody who loves you back. It'll keep you getting hurt and hurt and hurt. And when you keep getting hurt like that, you know, it does, it takes something away from you. It's more to heal in the future. You get your heart broken once, you know, <laughs> you end up doing stuff that's against your own values one time. There's this much hurt. You bounce back. You try again. But if you keep doing this pattern, it takes it out of you till it's very, it's just harder and harder to come back. I don't think it's ever too late for anybody. I don't want to, you know, take away hope from anybody. You can always change, but it takes a great deal of commitment. And sometimes, you know, we just can't love ourselves yet. We can't, we don't really have that self-respect yet, but where that self-love and self-respect comes from is from doing self-loving and self-respecting actions that can be defined by others. So I don't know, you might want to take my dating course you might want to um, be in some kind of group with other women who are working on how they have relationships. I don't know if there's stuff for, for other women who have um, avoidant personality disorder. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the hard thing is to get a bunch of avoidance together in the same room. But you could go to a 12-step group and um, adult children of dysfunctional, of, of alcoholics and other dysfunctional families or... Um, or Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous for people who struggle with boundaries and relationships. You could do that. Stick with the women. Find people who you respect and you can be honest with so that when you start to have a dilemma next time when you meet somebody new or you need help breaking up with this one in a way that feels complete to you, you have people who are with you. They're, you're like shoulder to shoulder figuring it out together. Together we can figure out a lot. By ourselves, the trauma will kick in and guide our thinking. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.